0: Hello, and welcome to the Exponential Edge podcast with your host, Arya Suler. I'm excited to have you join me on this journey exploring the forefront of technological advancements and innovation that will shape our future. As a sophomore at Acton Regional High School and the CEO of SecArmor, a cybersecurity startup, I've always been fascinated by the transformative power of technology. In this podcast, we will dive deep into five key areas that are poised for exponential growth in the next decade. We'll be exploring the realms of cybersecurity, generative AI, sustainability and climate tech, biotech and human longevity, as well as the reshoring of manufacturing. These topics hold immense potential to revolutionize our world and redefine the way we live, work and interact. Each episode will feature insightful conversations with experts, thought leaders and visionaries who are at the forefront of these fields. In just 30 minutes, our goal is to provide you with five signature nuggets of wisdom from our guests. These key takeaways will empower you with knowledge and help you stay ahead in an ever-evolving technological landscape. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest for this week.
1: Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Sophia Schwetz. CEO of What's Enhance and a member of the Forbes 30 Under 30. Hi, Sophia. Can you please give our listeners a brief overview of your career?
2: Sorry, can you repeat that?
1: Uh, Could you please give our listeners a brief overview of your career?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thanks for having me today. I'm really ha- uh, I'm really happy to be here. Um, so my career started around 10 years ago. Um, when, like I, I had multiple jobs when I was in university, but my tech career started when I was a program manager in one of the first business accelerators in Ukraine called Happy Farm. And um, that's how I fell in love in tech uh, and fell in love into innovations and entrepreneurship and always wanted to build something on my, on my own. Um, but I spent some time in there. Uh, I was mostly on the business and marketing roles and then uh, after that i uh, was hired by google which was uh, an amazing experience for me because i was just straight away out of college i started in ukrainian office uh, working with one of the largest resellers and e-commerce companies uh, that was my focus and then i moved to dublin which is european headquarter that helped me a lot to understand how big companies work how they operate and kind of build, develop my in love for the technologies further. At some point, after approximately three years at Google, I realized that I really have this dream to start something on my own. So I quit the job, moved back to Ukraine where I'm originally from, and started my kind of search path. At that point, I met my co-founder, Vlad, who is a data scientist and great engineer. And we had a multiple ideas that we were working on. But um, he showed me a prototype of technology that can improve photo quality. And I immediately thought about many, many use cases that can be tried from everything from design to uh, e-commerce, which is my, one of my use cases. So that's how we started the company. It was a big experiment. But... It's been five years, we have two products, uh, started working on AI before it became like fancy and hyped. It was mostly research at that time, but, uh, it was very interesting. interesting to follow this journey for the last five years. So here we go.
1: So you had a great career so far. You're still really young and it's really impressive that you've done so much in such a short time. So ai is a booming trend right now especially and there are many different types of ai like i think you've probably heard symbolic ai like uh spam filters on your email or machine learning uh that happens in netflix recommendations hulu recommendations stuff like that along with uh computer vision which is in autonomous vehicles like tesla but the most uh hyped one like you said uh, the most hyped one right now is generative AI. So, could you explain the concept of generative AI and how it differs from the other forms?
2: Yeah, absolutely. To basically, if you think about generative AI, is uh, is a technology that can create novel, new information that it was before, if, that it wasn't there before. Because before, uh, like generative AI actually started. It doesn't have that name, but like it started actually definitely five, six years ago when the technology called GANs generative networks appeared that could draw stuff. So right now, if you think about generative AI, we are thinking about technologies that can create new stuff, which is either text, uh, we've seen chat GPT, GPT models that were got very famous, or definitely visuals like Dole E Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, uh, or videos, and all of them it's cre- it's created from stre- from scratch, something that wasn't there before. Because that's that's kind of aligning uh, generate AI in general. Uh, before that, AI was in very simple form, in simpler form, and there is multiple ways of and m- multiple kinds of AI like descriptive AI it was cat or dog like is it a cat or the dog so ai tells you like yes it is a cat or no it's not a cat like so it could recognize stuff it could uh apply something um something that you mentioned Tesla. like it's it's definitely ai that recognizes patterns but and makes actions around that so that's how the card draws but what makes generative ai so like as a standalone branch is that now you cannot just analyze information but create it from scratch as well
1: mm-hmm. yeah thank you and how does your company let's enhance and Clade ai utilize generative ai in their ventures and products
2: yeah absolutely so um my company let's enhance we've been working with computer vision for uh the last five years it's our primarily focus so we started with um, improving photo quality and uh in that case it's very precise application of uh technology to restore photos because in order to restore photos you need to recreate information that was there because like if you send images through some social media or uh, just download information line. it's usually that's compressed that means that some of information was lost so we use this technology to fill in the gaps to create new information from scratch so we started from there and right now we are utilizing generative ai for mostly e-commerce use case because big e-commerce stores they get a lot of information from users from sellers so if you think about somebody like amazon they get millions of sellers that send them data, like right? Send them photos, send the descriptions of the images. So what we are doing at the company right now, we in some way, replacing retouchers, replace manual routineish work to remove backgrounds, to improve quality of images, to fix lights, fix compositions on this product photos. And now, with Generative AI, we can create new marketing images, like placing products into new scenes that it wasn't there before. Uh, so instead of like ordering expensive photo shoots, uh, sellers can just like type down like i want my product to be on the kitchen table with some lemon tree in the background so now ai can generate that and can generate like these lifestyle shots without like any any software any gear
1: mm-hmm. right. that's awesome so i think that's a really like common use that a lot of people like would use in their lives because Everybody wants to change their photos. Like, if you just took a wrong photo, yeah, you can change it easily now. And you guys must have a lot of customers now. Uh,
2: we we work with some like of the biggest marketplaces, uh, and also in our product Let's Enhance, we have uh, we process more than two hundred million of images wow. so far. And um, I'm not sure about the number of registration, but more than ten. Yeah. Million. So right. we, a lot of people use us for improvement of their content and also for, uh, professional content.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. And now shifting gears a little bit, um, generative AI raises some concerns for many people about the ethics and misuse of the AI. So some of the examples are, uh, deep fake like faces and voices. For example, some people have been started like, uh, ransoms calling parents and imitating their kids voices using generative ai and asking for money so could you address these concerns and how they affect viewers and how you address them
2: yeah i would say there's two separate questions because in our case as our application is uh, primarily is we are very focused on businesses that would limits our use as well. Right? So we limit ourselves towards product photography. So the technology that we are using is not very applicable for something like we don't do deep fakes, but the misuse of AI, like I, am always saying that technology is natural is, it, it exists, right. And it can do different things, but at the same time it can be used for good and for, uh, for evil things. So uh, AI, rapid development of AI unlocks multiple new use cases and new possibilities. So companies like ours, we are utilizing this to speed up uh, processes and improve and optimize inefficiency, Uh, but at the same time, other technologies can be used for harm. So I think... um, it will what we will see in the next few years as building ai first products became so much easier and so much cheaper we will definitely see more and more use cases like that uh deepfakes are getting very real and for us as humans we are actually bad at spotting um we are bad at spotting uh deepfakes unless they are they've they've done bad so Definitely what we are, what we will see in the next few years is more deep fakes, more information manipulation before it will be regulated. Cause company, like platforms for inf- that spread information, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all these social media platforms, media platforms, they will learn how to detect, how to detect detect this stuff at some point. Uh, cause everything that was trained can be trained to be recognized. But we will have this time gap that it will be hard or not possible and in that case uh, my main recommendation is first of all to be aware that this exists secondly question what you see online it's like as we have as producing content is getting so much cheaper that means that we can create hundreds of articles that uh something that is not correct we've seen it in 2016 that in Cambridge Analytica case and Facebook when the message was hyper-targeted to manipulate public opinion. And now it's getting just more cheaper and, and just easier to make. So for us as advanced users of the internet, we need to like question what we see and double check the information. That's the first case. Definitely. There is a lot of, audio fakes that started appearing recently. So for, as we are speaking mostly like with the young audience right now. So, so you guys need to educate your parents and especially grandparents that first of all, like there's this technology, grandma if somebody calls you with my voice, double check with me. Is it really me? Uh, Cause these things like exist people get tricked because they don't know that don't even imagine that this is possible right now. And it's so easy to do. And definitely there is a lot of inform- like a lot of tricks, like checking facts for audio, like having safe words, safe phrases to make sure that double check that it's really you. So um, I know that it's a tricky point, And I have high hopes that it will be res- resolved sooner than later. And it will be because a bunch of smart people are working on that, but you will have some transaction like tra- transitional period.
1: And I just wanted to clarify, um, deep fakes, what we just talked about is more of the audio aspect of it, but, um, even in photos, like my dad was telling me yesterday, yeah. that he saw a photo of Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk kissing on Facebook sure and it looked really real so do you guys go through any of that in your work we,
2: we don't do that because we we don't need that we don't need this uh, but uh, that's a pretty easy relatively easy technology so uh, if you've seen uh, a boom of ai avatars that was like i would say six months ago that you can upload there was a few apps that went viral um, that just decent amount of I would say 10-15 photos of you that's why it's so easy to fake Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk there's a bunch of photos of them and they are very recognizable but like 10-15 photos of you from your face with different angles with different backgrounds right now is enough uh, to replicate your face pretty realistically so yes, you can train a separate small model on your face and create content with you it's just much easier right now yeah
1: so what are the main challenges and limitations that you've encountered while working with generative ai
2: um i would say uh generative ai is um it all depends on the use case right so there's a few challenges of building ai applications in general first of all is uh you is data like you need to have enough data for your use case for training and modifying models that will will bring like consistent results so uh, collecting data is essential for uh, every type of business secondly it's uh, resources so uh, all these models typically run in the cloud or some um, we need computational power to run them so they're getting easier and easier lighter and lighter but still they need pretty powerful machines to run them especially at scale so one of the challenges that we have is when we produce a lot of content from for marketplaces um, we need a lot of resources and they, it needs to be processed fast because like nobody wants to wait for content for 30 minutes, right? We we need it in terms of seconds. So we have a separate team that is uh, we call it ML ops team that is engineering team that uh, is training. Like once we have the model that works, they are optimizing this model and the system for speed. And definitely one of the challenges as well is that depends on the use case, um, the network might produce some artifacts. And if, if we upload something that it haven't hasn't seen before, uh, it might produce some artifacts. So you constantly need to improve them and retrain them. And uh, for you and me, it can work in different way. So uh, before the AI and before the software, what, what's the biggest difference in generative AI software and apps right now is that before, if you use um, any, any app or any program, you click the button, and it does the same for you and me, right? But right now, if you want to generate like text or image or video through Dall-E, through any generators, the quality of your result really depends on the quality of your input, on the quality of your prompt. So you need to educate yourself how to get good at this. Uh, it's like l- learning to operate these models because it might produce the result if you if you if you don't give enough or not good input, you will not get good result. There is a, a saying in ML um, garbage in garbage out, which kind of showcases this. If you don't have good input, you will not get good result.
1: Yeah. And so generative AI, especially the higher level, which is the real world AI, which you can actually use, uh, it can do the job of like an expert in an area. Like without having a manual worker there, uh, how do you train? How do you train the generative AI model? And like, what data is required to train it exactly?
2: Um, it again, it depends on the use case, right? So, on the generative AI model, um, typically there is some, um, there is a few levels of building the apps. So, if you think about um, Creating an app that, for example, generate text or generate is like a turn copilot. It's always a foundational model, uh, base model in the that kind of like app developers can take it and modify it because training foundational model is very very expensive. So companies like OpenEI, Stability AI, they spend a lot of uh, time and resources to train the model how to train the foundational model. You basically train it on literally half of the internet. You just need to show it a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different samples of data, either text or images. Uh, so in order to, da- to train the image model, you need to show it like half a billion of images the internet so it learns what is c what is like how how skin looks like how hair looks like how uh what like how nature looks like because then it can reproduce and mix results um and that's the foundational model companies like us it's called application layer when you take the foundational model and you retrain it for your use case in that case it's much faster and it doesn't require that many resources because for example if you want to generate people Then you need to show enough different people to the model to improve the accuracy in this area, because if it's foundational model can be pretty general, but can be can be bad at generating, mm, I don't know, Asian people, right? Uh, Because we all have specific features. In that case, in order to improve it, we kind of show a bunch of like small or a medium data set of people with Asia from Asian countries just showcasing the features and uh, and then the result will get much better so that's how you train the model and that's how it's it's a it's a process of iteration sometimes it gets it's pretty fast sometimes it's um, it takes much longer but the general process is always like that
1: yeah that makes sense and For someone interested in learning more about generative AI as a topic, what resources or platforms do you think they could look at and how can they get started in that field?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would be happy to provide links, but um, generative AI is a big trend and it's here to stay uh i think for us as a users there's two ways how you can approach learning of generative ai is either you want to become an engineer or deep dive uh, or build the models then there's a bunch of developers the resources for developers uh, like in coursera andrew ng it's uh, one of the founders of all this generative ai movement they built like a course for like generative AI for beginners or deep learning for beginners. So then you can take that and learn how to work with these models. I think what's what it's important and useful to start with as adjusted users is to educate ourselves how to work with these models because they can save a lot of time. Uh, In that case, there is a lot of resources on even I would say Google launched uh, a bunch of new courses on generative AI, general courses to kind of like introduction to generative AI to understand the space to understand use cases there is a bunch of courses on linkedin learning Uh, it's a very short course courses on some practical use cases and then if you want to become better at prompting or better generating images there is a bunch of specific resources like um, specific courses i can send some links That you can attach to the uh podcast but what i would recommend is just to get familiar with the space and really understand what you're personally interested in so google introduction to ai might be good enough to start and understand the space
1: all right thank you and we we have some extra time so i just wanted to ask i thought it'd be interesting if you could provide uh the goals in the future for let's enhance ai in the next coming years what do you guys plan to do?
2: So, if you're working, um, so generative AI is a new direction that we are uh, launched this year, and we are constantly uh, exploring. But our mission is to help businesses uh, use AI in effective way uh, to create great content on the internet that will help them sell and will help them deliver their deliver their message. So, our vision is that. We would want to become like a one-step provider for brands, uh, like a photo shoot in the pocket that you can upload your product and then you can create new content of images, videos, train the model. And it's what AI unlocks for us, it's not just a tool. It's uh, it's just a tool to replicate what we're already doing. It's also a tool to create new content because right now you can generate... Uh, your product on the mars surface or in some condition that were not possible before could never be possible before it can be a great tool for ideation just like thinking through uh creating concepts so our goal is to become this uh like a copilot for e-commerce businesses for brands uh, that will help them uh just sell better promote their products and uh create new ideas for their products.
1: That's amazing. So finally, could you just consolidate your five most important takeaways, your five golden nuggets from this entire conversation and state them?
2: Yeah, I would say five thoughts that, if you want to take away, uh, they're here to state. That, yeah, Generative AI is a big trend. Uh, It's here to stay. It unlocks the new generation of applications in order to work and benefit from generative ai you don't need to be technical uh you need to learn um how to work with this with, with this new direction uh a new generation of apps because generate there is the same generative ai people generative AI will not replace people but people who use this ai will outrun other people who are not using that so and that's very true because it gives a lot of Productivity boost to what we are doing. Uh, then, building generative AI is getting cheaper, cheaper, and easier every year, which unlocks new possibilities and risks. Uh, we can build products much faster and much cheaper, but the deepfakes and unethical use is here to stay for the next few years. So we need to be very con- cautious on the internet and just question what we see uh, and. Yeah, I would say I'm optimistic and I believe that AI. we are moving to the society that this AI will cover some of the repetitive work and will unlock us new uh, possibilities to be creative. All
1: right. Thank you for that. And thank you everyone for listening to the Exponential Edge podcast. And join us next week as we delve into topics that we'll see exponential growth in our future. Thank you, Sophia.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yep. Bye.
2: Bye bye.